Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Rush Daily Fantasy Sports Show. I'm Mark Bergson and I'm joined by fresh from his hospital bed, Nick Owen. <laughs> How are you doing, Nick? I'm all right, Mark. I'm COVID free. And COVID yeah, free. On, on, the rec- on the recovery path. If I do cough on the stream, I do apologise, but I am well um, and I'm getting there. So <laughs> yeah, I just can't like... talk for prolonged periods of time. So thank God we've got Rich on. I know. So yeah, we haven't done this show together for like three weeks. I think it's three weeks we missed due to various reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like starting again, which is quite weird because it's ending. This is yeah. it. I mean, I find it bit odd and Rich is probably a bit surprised there is another week to go in fantasy football still um, because I keep hearing about people who've won championships and they're done for the season and all that so but here we are week 18 the first ever NFL week 18 so we've kept it in the family in terms of special guests invited along Rich Cooling as many of you know him as Dynasty Rich as well as being the president of the UK chapter of the Braxton Berrios fan club he's also <laughs> one of the top 50 <coughs> plus one fantasy football rankers in the world according to fantasy pros and he's also been torturing himself by playing some dfs this season how are you doing rich i'm very good thank you very much for having me on <laughs> that's right i just i have had that um intro written for weeks so i just needed to get you on <laughs> <laughs> i'm so, not quite sure i'm not quite sure where the the president of the braxton barriers fan club came in i uh, i love him for one week and suddenly i'm uh, i'm riding the bus and you were right you were right, weren't you? It's always nice when I am, yeah. It doesn't yeah, happen very often. Two, two touchdowns in the first half or something, didn't they? And, exactly um, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be a slightly different show tonight, partly because it's the last week of the season, but also because the fan team NFL contests are not live as of yet. Um, so they're going to be live tomorrow, but we're still going to talk about the season long as we normally do. 
we'll talk a little bit about what we've learned during the year. All three of us have been playing that. Um, Rich has been probably the Rich is the most successful out of the three of us, which is not really a surprise to us because you know you don't get to be a fantasy pros ranker without knowing a thing or two about the long term and stuff. So yeah, we'll talk about that, and then we're going to talk some pure DFS. Look at our seasons. Um, pro Bridge about his experience as a first timer, and uh, and even though we don't have pricing for this week yet, Fantin, we we're still going to talk about players. We like the games maybe to target and all that sort of thing. So I think that I think it's everything, Nick, isn't it? We're going to do tonight. Yeah, I think that should be enough to see us through, man. Yeah. Um, and and go out with a bang, as it were. <laughs> okay, so let's start with season long, Nick. Do you want to talk about your season-long team? Not really, um, <laughs> is the answer to that. But yeah, um, obviously throughout the season, we've been covering the season-long and we have had a set team mark right from the get-go where we've said, this is the team, we're going to follow it on a journey throughout the season, um, basically make changes to that team, talk, through what our changes are and why what kind of players we were considering week on week and we had a big focus on season long I would say for the first half of the season and then we changed tact a little bit and we we focused more on the red zone contest which is the weekly contest or the monsters that cropped up but we did still talk about season long but I think the season long I mean this is where I'm at at the moment for anyone who's on the um on the video stream or watching this back, this is the pod team that started off fairly well and was in the cash for quite a few weeks, but had some bad weeks through the middle of the season and didn't necessarily make the right transfers to navigate through the bye weeks. And I am currently sat, it's not my worst performing team, but I think I'm sat around 5.30ish. 540-ish. Um, my best performing team is around the 300 region. So it has a small chance to cash, but it's a very small chance, especially because of the players that are owned. Um, I, I think this week, if I was to make any moves at all, the kind of moves I'd have to make would be for the very low-owned players, um, high-ceiling kind of players in the last week, um, and to just try and target those those kind of teams that still have something to play for. So I haven't made any transfers yet. I haven't actually got any transfers in mind as to who I'm going to bring in and who I'm going to take out because I've not had a good sit down just yet and actually, you know, studied over it. I'm still, I feel like I'm still in a bit of a hangover from the last week because as you said, Mark, that was championship week in a lot of fantasy leagues and I do still play fantasy on the side as well. So over the past week, that's probably been my focus and I've I've managed to win some of the leagues I was in there where they were cash leagues. So I've had quite a good week on that, but just not a, a good not a good time on season long this year. But what I would say is I've really enjoyed this season long contest. And I think a lot of the same kind of planning and ethics that apply to fantasy football do apply to this season long as well. But it is a different kind of contest. Um, you're not looking at a limited player pool you're looking at the entire league um you know you can have anyone in your team at any time so it is different but you know it like you said mark it doesn't come as a surprise that rich has done well in this format because he knows about fantasy football and if you know about the scorers and who's 
likely to score well, you know, target runs of games and things like that. And you can navigate through the bye weeks and you're sensible with your transfers, fellas. Um, then I think this is the kind of game where you can be really successful in it. And I think if I was having a crack at this again next season, which I absolutely plan on doing, um, there's some things that I will do differently. Um, some things that I think I've done this season that have worked well as well. So, yeah, in a nutshell, Mark, to summarise, this team isn't going to cash. It is my pod team. It's underperformed, um, but I've had a blast in year one in this season long, um, and I, I can't wait to start it again next year because it's been a lot of fun, and obviously we'll be covering that off again. Yeah, I, I look at that team now and I'm starting to wonder how you're not going to be... You weren't in the cash, as it were. It's not been this for every week of the season. Well, obviously, um, but like, yeah, it's still pretty um, good. It's still, I mean, yeah. in, re- in recent weeks, this this was actually... It got to a point in the last two weeks where it was my worst performing team. Um, and really, over the last two weeks, I would say, the last week specifically, I had some, obviously, some peak performances there specifically from Jamar Chase, um, you know, Montgomery. So there has been some bright spots in recent weeks. It's my second worst performing team now of about five or six teams that I've got in there. Um, But yeah, a lot of lessons learned this year on the the season long. Mm. Yeah. um, Rich, so what position is your team in at the moment? So I'm currently 157th. Okay, so you've dropped down a bit as well. You were, in the, <laughs> yeah. you were in the top 50, I think. Yeah, at one point I was first overall, but yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've sort of, I think since sort of week 12, as perhaps my focus has drifted towards more kind of traditional fancy and, and dynasty playoffs and things like that, I've perhaps taken my eye off the ball. Um, I think a, a, a big thing that cost me massively was perhaps putting a little bit too much faith in the, the healing powers of Elijah Mitchell. Um, I think I had him two, two weeks on the trot. I kept him in, expecting him to play, and two weeks on the trot, he was a, he was a no-go. So that, that cost me quite a lot and certainly dropped me down a few points. But, um, but yeah, I'm sort of still scraping along in the, in the cash at the moment. Yeah, because I think around that week 12, I think that was the point where I high-spotted as well with one of my teams, not my pod team, because I just overtook you or something, Rich, I seem to remember. And then those teams have both dropped to like 197 now or something like that as well. Had a real tough time the last few weeks. And I can't blame it on stuff like you guys can, like, because I don't play um, regular fantasy football. So I can't blame it on anything like that. And also, I can't blame it on injuries, particularly because I've only, I think I've only had two players not play or something like that. So I just think, I don't know what happened. Either I got lucky at the beginning or I'm just, and I'm sort of, you know, I regressed to the mean as we carried on, or um, or I've been really unlucky at the end, so I'm not sure. I think th- there was a period, I-, I know exactly where it went downhill for me, was shortly after wildcarding, I was on Josh Allen for a period, and then Lamar Jackson went on a run of about three or four games um, around sort of week six to week ten maybe, and he was performing like the kind of MVP Jackson that that you come to expect to see and as soon as I transferred him in he dropped off a cliff three or four weeks posted really poor scores but then there was some weeks where 
I think the injuries have killed me off a little bit in this as well. And it's difficult because the deadline has always been a Thursday, not this week because we don't have a Thursday night game. But it's always been a Thursday. And though that is a level playing field for everyone, the difficulty you've got is when you come into them manager transfers, if you don't have enough transfers in the bag, but you've got a couple of doubtfuls in your team. So there was a couple of weeks where I know Marquise Brown had a, a like a doubtful designation. Um, Lamar Jackson as well had, had a few of those games. So it's sort of like weighing up whether you take the hit on certain players and think, well, there's a chance he could play, I'll leave him in. Um, or whether you just think, well, you know, even though this isn't the kind of transfer I want to make or if it's someone I've only just brought in, I'd rather play the the safe than sorry kind of card if there is anyone that's doubtful or potentially carrying a knock. If they're still on that injury report on Wednesday or Thursday, I think next season that's something I would look to change is if they're on that injury report and they're not logging at least limited practices at that point, then I'm jumping off those players that week. Interesting. I think think the one, I I still can't make up my mind whether it was a really good move or or kind of cost me later on, but I had a a really good start as we suggested. And then at the week, I can't remember what week it was, but when the values changed on the players. Mm. Yeah, I I wildcarded that week. And I to got get, all the get players, money. yeah, all yeah. the players that were expected to go up in value. So it raised my potential yeah. pot of money massively. But then there was kind of a couple of weeks down the line I could have really done with my wild card when I think yeah. I, I had because I had the chief stack, uh, I had the, the Kittle Hill, uh, Kelsey Hill, Mahomes stack, and then when they went on bye week, I think I had an injury that week as well, which absolutely killed me. Um, so it's, I, I can't decide how I feel about it because I think that wildcarding before that price change was massive and really helped me kind of continue on, but also was kind of felt like a bit of a waste of a wildcard as such because I didn't actually change my team that much. I just sort of yeah. pocketed the extra money and then changed it back to what it was. Yeah. I feel, I, I, it's funny you say that. I think because there was a lot of fuss made around that week six so specifically about people trying to get as much money as possible and using their wild cards. But I've sort of thought going on, you didn't really need that extra money. I don't think you really need it. I find, I'm finding that you're not spending it anyway. And it's kind of, Nick, you'll, have, you'll, have, you'll know this probably a little bit more than Rich, but in DFS, you have a terrible, it's a terrible pull to spend all your money. Mm. And you sometimes go off players. You typically go players you like just to spend the money. And I think the same thing kind of happened here a little bit. I'm like you, Rich. I think, actually, no, I'm not like, I think it, because I think I was advising people to do it. I'd already use my wildcard by week two, I think. But like, well, that's a whole other thing. But um, I was saying people should do it. And I think in hindsight, it was a bad move. I, I think, think, I don't think you needed the money. No, I think I wildcarded quite early as well. And I think... When it actually came to the price changes, when I looked at some of the players that are, were changing in price, like Cooper Cup is one that I know for a fact increased on, on the first price rises. Cordero Patterson did as well. Yeah, Cordero Patterson did, and on the second one for that matter. Yeah. At that point in time, week six, the players that increased in price, it wasn't really a surprise which kind of players did increase in price. And that was because they were they were performing up to that point. And 
I think you probably find that some of those players were already littered through your lineups anyway. There were some that yeah. wouldn't be, and one that I regret not jumping on earlier is Cordrell Patterson because I just I just didn't see that kind of early season form continuing throughout the season, but the opportunities being there for him. Um, and I actually missed the boat a little bit on Cordrell Patterson because he had a few weeks where he, he absolutely went off and I didn't own him. And I think I brought him in for the price rise, but then a massive percentage of the game already had him at that point and had already got yeah. the points from him. So A, I was chasing his price rise, but B, I was chasing his points that I'd lost. So things like that, I think next year I'll, I'll probably, if there's a player where I think, you know, the opportunities there and even though it's, you know, like maybe against recency bias, that's something Jack talks about recency bias quite a lot, is you can look at a player like that and think, well, Cordell Patterson hasn't really done all that much throughout his NFL career up to this point. He's not been a consistent fantasy scorer, but the opportunity was there. Mike Davis was struggling in the backfield. Uh, you know, they've lost Julio Jones, the receiver's outside of Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage. Even Russell Gage earlier in the season wasn't yeah. really performing. He was injured and at that point. Yeah, yeah, and wasn't even when playing, wasn't seeing the targets he'd seen in, in the previous year. Um, you know, Kyle Pitts w- was a little bit hit and miss early does. So the opportunity was there for Corderell Patterson. And it was only that recency bias where I'm thinking, well, we know what kind of player Corderell Patterson is. He's not a fantasy scorer. He hasn't been a consistent fantasy scorer. For that reason, I'm not putting him in my team. Just completely ignored that and lost out on a load of points. And I think that's something, again, next season, I I think with this kind of format, you've got to look at it in that present moment rather than looking at what you know historically because it can cloud your judgment a little bit on your transfers. I think it's difficult as well, though, because there's also plenty of examples in history of, you know, players that have flashed in week one or week two and then gone on to do nothing. I remember... I might be going back a few years now, but there was the Kevin Ogletree game for the Cowboys where I think, I can't remember if he scored two or three touchdowns in week one. And I remember spending basically all of my fab budget in my, <laughs> in my home league to go and get him. And I don't think he caught like more than one or two catches in a game for the rest of the season. And, you know, that, mm. that could have been the case with Cordero Patterson, couldn't it? We could have had yeah. that one or two flash weeks and then it, he just sits on the back burner as, as he did, had done for most of his career up to this point. Yeah. And no, the thing no. about ownership, Nick, as well, is an important thing because, like you say, mm. other people have called Royal Patterson. You're not yeah. really gaining anything on anybody else. You're using this wild card, which is a valuable asset, but you're doing it to sort of to be in the same position as other people who have already gained from it. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if you really want to use a game theory thing, you would probably be more, you should be more likely to go for other players on the Falcons who will benefit from Patterson not doing so well. Yeah. I think um, I think week to week that can work in uh you know if you're just playing a one off slate but applying those same laws and it can work in this as well but applying those same laws to season long yeah sometimes less time it can work yeah sometimes you get that FOMO you 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 mm. know it's like if you're playing FPL and eighty percent of the game on Mo Salah you're not just going to purposely own Sadio Mane and hope that he hits for a week because you, you're going to miss out on goal after goal after goal after assist from Mo Salah, who these people are captaining also. Now, we don't have captains in this season long. However, thankfully, 
Yeah, thankfully. I hate, uh, I hate any sport with captains. That, that would have been a bust. I, I mean, <laughs> I'd have been lower than I currently am because I, I have an absolute nightmare with captains. Um, uh, hey, captains. But I think, again, when you when you play in this kind of format, there can be a player that his ownership starts creeping up and that's exactly what happened with Cordrell Patterson. But by the time I was getting him in, bye weeks were just around the corner and you're thinking, oh, well, if I bring him in now, I'll be transferring him out in a couple of weeks. So that's a transfer. I've got a bank for that. And, you know, like you, you've just said, Rich, it's you, you still have that doubt in your mind as well, where you think, well, you've seen it happen the other way where someone goes off one week and then you never hear from them again. We was the Patriots running back that year. Was it Jonas Gray, was it? He had like four touchdowns. And, and he didn't was wake put, up for his alarm. Yeah, didn't wake up for his alarm. Bill Belichick treatment. And before you know it, he's, he's, he's knocking on the door at the job centre. Um, never to be seen again in the NFL. So, you know, it's um, it, it's difficult sometimes because you, you, you've still got that doubt in your mind because you know it's happened with other players. But that is a boat I missed this year was Cordrell Patterson. But it's just hard to predict and see who that could be. You know, we could be in this position again next year talking about a player who's never really lit the league up but has two or three weeks where he starts performing. Um, before you know it, we're talking about, are we going to transfer him in? We're going to have that same decision that we've had this season. Do you or don't you? Yeah. If it was easy, everyone would make money, wouldn't they? Correct. And I'm um, not making money, so it's clearly not easy. <laughs> so, so, Rich, you, um, you do rankings every week anyway already for um, for the other your other fantasy stuff your dynasty stuff as well and your your fantasy pros rankings and you do projections based on that as well am i right in saying yeah yeah so i mean it's not i i probably do it the wrong way around in that my i do the rankings fiddle them around and then kind of project off the back of that whereas i know most people will will do projections that then leads their rankings if that makes sense um, yeah. I, I don't think it matters if you're right, though. Yeah, I mean, basically, I'd, I'd, I'd love to do projections and then rank off that, but the true answer is I don't have enough time to spend yeah. fiddling yeah, with but, projections to get, to get my rankings right, if that makes sense. So, If you think about it, though, if your rankings, say your rankings are 100% right all the time, your projections don't really matter. You'd always choose the best teams. This is very true. I, I, yeah. I, I, wish, I wish my rankings were 50% right, to be honest, Mark. So. <laughs> well, you know, you're the 51st best ranker in the world right now. So, like, uh, you know, just take that, the 7 billion people in the world. <laughs> just take that. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure all of them quite do rankings, but... Uh, but um, yeah, yeah well. Um, so, um, so, were you using these, uh, your rankings and projections for this tournament? Yeah, so for the season long, I think um, I, I did my my kind of pre-season ranks and projections. And I know we talked a, a little bit before the season started and, and sort of looked at basically where there were discrepancies in terms of value of, of guys that I had ranked significantly higher than others. Um, and, and Jawan Johnson? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that. He, was in, he was in your first optimal lineup, he, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And there you go, Nick. That's another guy that flashed in week one, never, never yeah. to appear again, didn't he? Yeah. You looked like a genius in that week when you had him. <laughs> Nobody else would have picked him. But yeah, it was, it was, it was fantastic for a week. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it was three. When, was it three catches, two were touchdowns, or three targets and two were touchdowns? Or yeah, I think he, I think he only ran like eight, eight pass routes as well, <laughs> and managed yeah, to catch yeah. two touchdowns. So it was, yeah, it was slightly. And he was six million week. on six million on fan team, something like that. 
yeah, yeah. So he he pretty much paid for himself. Uh, yeah, two times over there, quite nicely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it really I think helped me kind of build a, a competent lineup to begin with, um, and then sort of try and find value from there. Um, I think it. I've I've struggled um, perhaps after that because where I become. It sounds bad, but where I become very week to week with my rankings, it's difficult for me to kind of look at runs of games or kind of projections moving forward for the rest of the season because I go into that sort of week to week mode as such. And and I think that's perhaps where I struggled certainly a couple of times where I'd, you know, simple things like I'd transfer in a player and then they were on bye week the next week and stuff like that, where um, certainly if I was, well, hopefully going to play again next year, that will... um, hopefully have a bit more focus on that. So, so Nick, I thought as, as you and me are, you know, both DFS players, I wondered, I think this is something which I did wrong this year. I wonder if you're saying, I think I did too many transfers. I think I changed my team week to week far too much. Yeah. And I think I did too many pointless transfers as well. And again, it's that, um, it's that temptation. You see that there's a transfer there. You know that only one can carry forward to a following week. And sometimes, that, like, I remember there was one week where COVID was starting to become prominent. And I think I said to you, Mark, that I had transferred in a defence just because. It, it was like, well, I had the spur transfer. I might as well, just because. Yeah. Before I knew it, two of my players had been nursing injuries, someone's out with COVID, and I haven't got enough transfers then to actually make the necessary changes in my team. And I think some of it's patience as well. We spoke about it right at the start, Mark, as we were building our season-long teams, is what what people have got to remember in like NFL and fantasy NFL, for that matter, is you own a player, and if it's a, if it's a good player... There can be weeks where he doesn't perform as you expect. That's not a reason to jump off. I think there are certain things where you can sort of see something happening and you think, you know, I I shouldn't be owning that player because what we're accustomed to seeing maybe in previous years, a prime example, for example, you know, this year, Julio Jones. We know what Julio Jones has been like as a, a fantasy asset, as an actual NFL player, unbelievable receiver in his pomp. Um, but this season, you wouldn't touch him with a barge pole because he's just not that Julio Jones anymore. Um, the point I'm trying to make there, Mark, is if you're building a team and you're building off those kind of names, you wouldn't hold Julio Jones for very long this season. But if you've got someone in your team, the likes of, I, I just pluck a name out of thin area, C.D. Lamb, we saw what C.D. Lamb's capable of last season. We know that the Cowboys throw the ball. If C.D. Lamb has a down week or two, chances are there's a good week around the corner. And I think so, like some transfers, I've been a little bit rushed on things like that where I've made a transfer for the sake of it because someone hasn't been performing. Don't get me wrong, it can also work to your advantage. So I jumped on Jamar Chase early on in the season. That was a, a really good transfer at that point. But then there's been certain players where I've jumped off them too early because there's been a week or two where they haven't performed. But what we know in the NFL is when you're a, you know, if you're a number one receiver or even a highly targeted number two receiver, running back that sees a lot of workload, 
you might have the odd quiet week. It could be schedule based. It could just be game script. But you're still going to score well, and I think yeah, the, the patience with transfers I think is something that I would change next year definitely. Do you do you think that's almost the DFS mindset rather yeah. than treating it as a season long competition oh. where you're almost trying to get the best lineup week to week oh. with limited changes that you are able to do rather than saying okay, they you know he's got a bad matchup this week, but actually he's got you know, three great ones next week. So sticking with it through that essentially bad game or bad matchup or whatever. Yeah, I think it's 100% that. I really do. I think um, I think we're kind of geared for DFSs and all our players have to do well. And we look at matchups and we look at opportunities and situations and think, well, this is the week they're going to do this. And this is... But as we all know, if you do this for any amount of time, we're not predicting the future correctly that often. We're really not. But like you say, over a period of, of four weeks or six weeks, you know, you can you can pretty safely say, for example, I know Justin Jefferson's going to do pretty well over that period, you know? And, um, I mean, he's one of those non-droppable players anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think completely it was a DFS mindset, and that's why I, that's the biggest thing I've taken away is... Yeah too keen to do transfers. I think with that DFS mindset as well, we said right at the start, Mark, didn't we, that we weren't that keen on actually stacking in this format. But actually yeah. looking back, I think stacking is is a really good strategy in the season-long format. Let's say, for example, you start the season with Justin Herbert, Mike Williams or Keenan Allen and, and Austin Eckler. You'd have been off to an absolute flyer. And that applies for a few players as well. You know, if you'd have started the season with... I'm just trying to think of a quarterback who, who came out of the blocks. Absolutely fine. You know, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, and maybe even Daryl Anderson early doors. Yeah. You'd have been laughing there as well. And we were put off by that stack in this format because we were a bit like, yeah. we want variants throughout the team. We want to be able to pick up points from everywhere. Stacking's a really good strategy mm. when you're playing, you know, one, one slate DFS on a Sunday and, and you're looking to maximize your points and you stack because obviously if, if one receiver justin jefferson for example if he's going to have a good week chances are kirk cousins is also going to have a good week it makes sense to stack them together whereas in this format i was hesitant and looking back i don't really know why i was mark because there's enough transfers to go around to deal with that stack when it comes to bye weeks um I d yeah i don't know why i was against that so much i know I think that's a strategy that would have worked I think what it was is you're looking at, with a stack, if you have a bad week, you've got two or three players doing badly. Mm. What we weren't considering, though, was the following week, those two or three players could do fantastically together. And it balances out. And it balances out. And over a long term, that might be better than anything you could have done with your transfers, as it were. Mm. And so, yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, you'd have to be, I think you'd have to be pretty cautious and secure in the stacks you're choosing. Like, look, for example, a stack at the beginning of the season we probably would all picked if we could do a stack was Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey. And, uh, and uh, they struggled for quite a while. And you'd have to have a lot of faith to have stuck with them. It's come good, but, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I had the, the chief stack and I remember it felt like a weekly conversation but with myself and, and yourself, Mark, where mm. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Chiefs, I'm going to stick with the Chiefs, they're going to come good. And then um, eventually when, when they came good, I think I got one or two weeks out of them and then I quickly moved on and I 
I moved again to another stack and I, I targeted Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, which, you know, Josh Allen's had a, a really nice run, but I don't know if Stephon Diggs has, has perhaps returned what I'd hoped when I, when yeah. I brought him in. Yeah, so I think um, I think that's what it is, Nick. And you're right, I think maybe, um, especially if you've got a few teams entered and stuff, I think you just definitely... And like we always say with stacks, you've got to get less stuff right for it mm. to work. So as long as you're confident over a bit of the season. And you've got to also remember, you are going to get your streaky players. Like Cordero Patterson was great the first half of the season, not so much the second half. Um, Amon Ross, St. Brown has been fantastic for a few weeks. You know, Chase was great at the beginning, then poor in the middle. Then. So you're also going to get these streaky things you need to be sort of available to, you know, to adopt to, adapt to, sorry. Um, Cooper Cup's just been brilliant all the way through the season. We couldn't all have seen that, though, before the season started, I don't think, necessarily. Didn't think he was going to break the uh, receiving record, that was for sure. Might not still. I think he will. Cooper Cup's been obscene. So, yeah. a little stat I researched earlier. So, he's, there's been 16 games of the season. How many weeks do you think he's had as a wide receiver one? So, top 12 receiver on the week. Well, well he... he He's f- he's first in every main receiving category, so I would say I say fifth is if I think no, I think he's only missed out a couple of times. So yeah, so fourteen. So fourteen, 14 out of yeah. sixteen weeks he's been a top twelve receiver. And seven of those seven of those sixteen weeks he's been a top five receiver on the week. <laughs> wow. it's ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. Um yeah, absolutely crazy. So um Rich, I don't think we really asked you. Does anything you would change from what you've done this year? You don't again. Probably, probably give it a bit more focus. Um, try and try and spend a bit more time actually thinking about my my transfers. I think perhaps some of my my biggest regrets have been, as Nick said earlier, taking risks on on some potentially question mark guys going into Thursday. Um, I said it, I, I spent, I think it was two or three weeks on the bounce trusting that Elijah Mitchell was going to come back. And I thought, he's such good value. Um, not many people owned him. I'll, I'll stick him in. And, and I think it was two or three weeks where he, he didn't play and ended up costing me a roster spot. So, um, yeah, I think perhaps being a bit more risk-averse when it comes to those injuries. Um, and I do think perhaps using the wild card a little bit more sensibly because I do feel yeah. like... I, I, as much as I've got that extra money, I think, as you said earlier, I've basically, I think I've got two and a half million sat untouched mm. at the moment, and I've pretty much done that every week where I've not yeah. used my money. So I think it was, it seemed like a great idea at the time, and I think actually it was probably just a bit of a waste of a wild card. Agreed, agreed. Well, Nick, next year you've got to pick Marvin Jones, according to Jack. So, <laughs> you know, can't do any worse than this year. Um, so, Rich, you, you will you will back me up on this, Rich. Marvin jo- th- this this Marvin Jones joke has stuck with me every week since I mentioned it. Probably around week five or six, Mark. Is it? Um, but there was. I, I, yeah, I, I remember you was always liking Marvin Jones. That's how. <laughs> there was a week where we were playing the. It was either a monster or a red zone contest on a Sunday, and we did a spaces on Twitter. And I made the comment that there could be a case made for Marvin Jones that week. Um, Marvin Jones, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich, but Marvin Jones has always had, up until this season, he's always had a week where he goes off big. And it's at least once or twice a year there is history behind it. Uh, But sadly, Marvin Jones hasn't gone off big any week this season, so... 
He's had he's had one top twelve week this year, so there you go. He's he's not been horrific. Won't have been the week that I picked him either. <laughs> so Nick, um, this is as is week eighteen last last week for you to tell us all about your favourite hobby. Oh well, yeah. The um, it, it's the it's the final time, final, final time, time this season, and there, there has there has been some calls for live demonstrations on the pod. Um, but <laughs> I'm that sorry to like say, a Dynasty Boys sort of thing. I'm sorry to say, <laughs> you, you're not getting a live demonstration. Instead, you can get a lovely, lovely picture of Nick. I'm doing it right now, but you've not got us on the screen, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> No one wants to see that, Mark. That's exactly why I've taken you off the screen at this point. Um, but no, I, what I want to just say is um, thank you to Manscaped, first of all, because they have supported all our pods this season, all the DFS pods included within that. Um, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. I think I've got a bit of a tear in my eye here, Mark. I'm, um, <laughs> this is the last time I'll be saying Sounds this. like you nicked yourself. Yeah, for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, if I did nick myself, it wasn't using the uh, the lawnmower 4.0, nope. I can tell you that. Um, but Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for those all-important family jewels of yours. Manscaped have recently launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the lawnmower 4.0. You will see it on your screen right now. Fantastic tool. We've spoke about it every week this season. Um, every guest that has come on has been nodding away as we've been uh, been talking about it. So they all clearly approve of the uh, the lawnmower 4.0 as well. Um, so what we would urge you to do is join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. We do have an exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping if you use the code 5YARD at the checkout. So get yourself over to manscaped.com code five yard at the checkout and that will get you 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping do not miss out on the offer very sad that, that is the last time i will be saying that i actually started off with a script at the start of the season and i feel like i don't even need that script anymore so <laughs> there we go oh it is an emotional moment you've done us proud it is. you've done it us is. proud um so let's talk about some dfs now so quickly before we talk about week 18 as we've got Rich on a show, and this is the main reason you're here, Rich, as well as all your other knowledge and stuff, we want to talk to you a bit about your experience this year, because this has been your first year playing DFS. You started playing on Fanti, and um, I know you did pretty well uh, um, towards the beginning of it, I seem to remember, seeing some screenshots or something, and, you know, you were going to quit your job, and like everybody does when they start, when everybody does when they start DFS and they do well, they're going to quit their job, this is their new job. Do an hour a week, earn the same amount of money. Um, how did it go for you? What you know, what have you taken from it? Um, perhaps not not to believe the hype. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, I think it was after t- week week two or week three. I was like seven or eight times up on on what I'd started with. I was absolutely um, easy like, money. Yeah, I said to you, I, that, yeah. I was like, this this is this is really straightforward. All I'm doing is them. <laughs> I'm plug, plugging in my rankings versus the price, and I'm like, these are obvious value plays, and, and picking them, and it it was really straightforward. And then I don't think I I cashed for about four weeks on the trot after that. So yeah, I feel feel like you've been hustled by DFS a bit there, Rich. Like as you were saying that then, as you were saying that, I'm a big Fresh Prince of Bel Air fan when I was younger, and it took me back to one of the episodes where Will gets hustled in the pool hall, and the guy's like, "All you've got to do is put the balls in the holes," and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, do you know, this how, how difficult can it be?" And that is literally your story there. You've had one good week, and 
you're thinking happy days and before you know it um you're in your overdraft and there we go oh, yeah I, I needed uncle phil to break out lucille to come lucille and that's yeah. the one um, but yeah it's sad understood the episode that he could reference it it's, it's so sad. It's, it's a childhood full of watching uh, Fresh mm. Prince. I was an adult. Just anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've, I've sort of bounced back a little bit. I think I had a very, um, should we say, narrowed view of kind of how to approach DFS at the beginning. Um, I certainly wasn't looking at projected ownership percentages and wasn't really even considering who would be good to play. I basically took my projections, divided them by the the price and, and came up with a price per million. And it, and it basically gave me the guys that, that I plugged in. As I said, it, it worked well for two or three weeks and then didn't for about seven or eight. So, um, yeah, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I am, I'm very much hooked and, and looking forward to next year when I'll probably have forgotten everything that I've learned this year and, uh, and start again. But um, but yeah, it's, it's it's been really good fun. You said you you say that the way you talked about that sounded like you were sort of putting yourself down. But I'll tell you, the the professional DFS players, people who do this for a living, that's all they do. They do what you're talking about there. They have projections, rankings, whatever they use as a metric, and they work it from that. And um, you're doing no different. And clearly, you, you know, by your fantasy pros ranking, you do this pretty well. So, like, in actual fact, the fact that you lose has got nothing to do with the quality of your rankings. That is just the nature of the of your inability to predict the future, which nobody can really blame you for. And it's the nature of DFS. Top professional DFS players only win 10% of the time, yeah. which means they lose 90% of the time. Which I think for me is the, the, the biggest thing to get my head around because in my, you know, fantasy dynasty brain, I'm thinking you know, sort of 70, 80% win rates is, is where I'm wanting to aim. And, and as I said, if I'm not, if I'm not winning on a, a week to week basis, I'm, uh, I'm sort no. of kicking myself and, and pretty down. But yeah, it's been, it's been really good fun. It's like that, there's a, that um, phrase which I used whenever I talk about it, it's about baseball. I kind of paraphrase it, I get it slightly wrong. Is if, if you, if you fail a bat seven times out of 10, you're in the hall of fame. Something like that. And it's the same with DFS and stuff. You just have to, when you win, you just have to do really well. So, Rich, all I'm saying is don't say that in a disparaging way. The way you worked is absolutely fine. Absolutely oh. fine. And, you're, and you, may well find, you may well find that, you know, next season, if you do exactly the same way, you might win, you know, top prize it twice, say, for something like that. And then, and you never win the rest of the time. You know, it's just the nature of DFS, isn't it, Nick? It's so, it's so up yeah. and down. It, it is, and I think with DFS, because you're picking, you're picking. It's different from normal fantasy in that you're picking a team that you don't really want. Like when you're playing fantasy, you, you you've got a pool of players that is your team. You're picking the best team that week that you think is is going to get you over the line. All you're looking to do is win. Whereas in this, like you said, Rich, you've you've got the the battle of. Well, yeah, here's my projections, here's the players I like, but then who's going to be highly owned? So who's the rest of the field likely going to be picking up? Who are the casuals going to be targeting? What kind of players can I target to give me a bit of an edge? You don't want to just be building a lineup that's going to sit you mid-table and think, oh, it'll take over with the scoring because that's completely missing the point of playing DFS. You, you're either picking a team that could finish 
top top of the table if if everything goes your way, or you could finish at the bottom. But do you know what? If you finish at the bottom, like you said, Mark, you can't be disheartened by it that you've lost because that team could have gone off. You've you've if you finish bottom, you've probably built quite a unique team there that things just might not have gone your way that week. But your process was still right. You've still picked the players based on certain situations or scenarios. So it is it is difficult DFS. Yeah, we always use the example. That's why we're not all millionaires. Yeah, exactly. That's why we're doing this. Is that we all um, I always use we always use the example on here. It's like when everybody is on Dalvin Cook, you pick, you know, Jefferson or Thielen or whatever, because everybody's on Dalvin Cook. If Dalvin Cook fails, then Jefferson or Thielen will yeah. do well. And therefore you catch up on the field twice. Yeah. And that's the added element on top of rankings and stuff of DFS. Even even just rolling a dice one week and mm. picking, you know, building this this works a lot with like the the showdown slates and the single game. But actually building a lineup and having a storyline in mind. So we know that Delvin Cook has has had health issues in the past, hamstring issues. You you slot Madison in uh, Madison Madison into your lineup one week and it only takes an injury or a knock to Delvin Cook and all of a sudden you've got a super cheap running back that's let you absolutely pad out the rest of your line up but he comes in and he performs let's say Madison comes in scores two touchdowns for you you're absolutely laughing and you're ahead of the field because he'll be so low owned at that point because most people have jumped on Cook it's that it's that sort of like building a lineup that's gonna again have that really high ceiling or it could just fall flat on its face and it's that storyline behind it as well. Yeah, and that's where I I played the Jets Bucks single game slate on Sunday and um, did really well because I captained Braxton Berrios. Mm. I had Tom Brady. I, I had Cyril Grayson because I thought, look, wow, Mike Evans, Mike <laughs> Evans isn't Mike Evans isn't one hundred percent. Antonio Brown's Antonio Brown. Let's chuck in Grayson. <laughs> You yeah, actually predicted Antonio Brown walking off the field. Unbelievable! I'm, I'm not sitting here claiming that I, I predicted that, but um, yeah. Rich, like, Rich built his lineup. Rich built his lineup. Took his top off. Gave the peace yeah. sign and walked away from his laptop. Yeah, yeah that was his storyline, Nick. That yeah. was his storyline. He was predicting this all to happen. I haven't even heard of Still Grace until he caught a touchdown or whatever he did. Crazy, crazy fast. That's what you need to know. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great example of a lineup which. I mean, nine times out of ten, that lineup may well fail because Antonio Brown doesn't always walk off the pitch, and you know it's like so. That's a great DFS example, and you know it's not a bad lineup because it failed because it has the, the potential thing, to do really well. The thing is, there'll have been a high percentage of people who built their lineups and just thought the books are coming into town and mm. are going to wipe the floor with the Jets, and yeah. for the majority of the game, that wasn't the case. So. A prime example of you know building a lineup around a storyline, going against the grain a little bit, but it worked to your advantage, uh, Rich. Obviously, I imagine most people probably captained Antonio Brown going into that game. Yeah. He was expected to ball out, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah, and that's another and great way he, you, bailed, you know, he bailed out. Is, is actually what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's another great example. You know, again, another thing you can add on top of projections and rankings is that idea that everybody's on Antonio Brown. So, just what happens if he doesn't do well? And that, that gives you a double sort of double advantage over the field. Anyway, I think this brings us on nicely to this week. As I said already, we haven't really got we haven't got a, we can't build a lineup because the contests aren't live. But what we can do is I think 
what would be really useful because earlier today rich tweeted out a little cheat sheet about who was going to play who has what to play for effectively because there's lots of teams that don't have anything to play for this week because they've either already got into the playoffs or their seeds are locked there's also a set of teams who have got nothing to play for because they're out of the playoffs and that's quite interesting to me as a as a set of teams to maybe take advantage of and then there's a bunch of teams which have a load to play for so how do you see this week going um rich so i think if 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 we just i guess walk, walk through the chart as such and and teams and targeting and not as so green bay and and the philadelphia eagles have both essentially got nothing to play for they're both pretty much locked up the eagles can move between i think it's the six or seven seed but i can't expect them performing or, or turning anything um out um cincinnati in theory, have got something to play for. But I know Joe Burrow has come out and said he's not playing. Joe Mixon's on COVID, so I'm avoiding them at all costs. Um, Dallas could, in theory, have something to play for in terms of they could move up to the second seed. Um, but um, they're, they're pretty much locked in. So I'm a little bit concerned that they, they could end up resting. Um the Bucks, the Patriots, and the Bills, if they all win, they pretty much stay where they are. So I'm a little bit concerned with those that I expect all the players to start in those games. But I think that if they get up early, you know, if, for example, if, if the Patriots, they're playing the Dolphins, if they get up early at half time, I wouldn't be shocked to see some of their starters not playing the second half. Um, the Titans is one that I'm really struggling with, um, but I think we'll be clear on Sunday. So basically, if the Chiefs win, um, the Titans have still got something to play for. Um, and I think for them, getting that number one seed would be huge. But if the Chiefs do lose, appreciate it's to the Broncos, so it's probably not going to happen, um, then the Titans are locked in as the number one seed and, and they would basically have nothing to play for. Um, and then that, that green column, as you're showing there, those those are all the teams that I'm targeting that have got seeding or, or whatever uh, potential playoff spots left to play for. And those are all the, essentially the teams that I'm I'm trying to build lineups from. So have you got any interest in any of these out-of-the-playoff teams? Because I always feel every year there's a big score from a or one of the games goes off a bit from teams who've got no, because they're relaxed and the defences aren't really hitting that hard and stuff. And, you know... I'm, and also, I think I've seen some stuff to do with, you know, we've got to talk about player incentives. There's lots of player incentives. You know, um, I know Jack posted out a tweet about this as well, Jack Humphrey. Um, and one of the things that kind of struck me there, for example, was that um, um, Terry McLaurin is only 40 yards away from 1,000 yards or something like that. You know, those sorts of situations. Um, so you're interested in anybody there? I think... Um, I think David Montgomery is an obvious one. I think I do wonder if perhaps we've seen the end of Zimmer in, in Minnesota. And I do wonder if that, that defence now it's, you know, out the playoffs, whether that could be sort of a switch off game, shall we say, for that defence. And I do wonder if, you know, perhaps Matt Nagy's playing, you know, coaching for his job and it could be a, a huge David Montgomery week. Um, I've certainly got him ranked very, very highly this week. Um, is, is it an, another Amon Rasen Brown week? Um, obviously, we've said that the Packers have got nothing to play for. Um, I appreciate it's a division rival and they probably don't want to lose, but 
if they're resting Rodgers and, and perhaps Adams and a few others on that offensive line, could we also see them, you know, Jair Alexander's obviously not back. Could could we see him leave, rest maybe, you know, one or two in that secondary and suddenly Amara St. Brown's walking his way into a, another monster week. Um, Where is that game? So that's in Detroit. Okay, so that makes me more interested in it. Yeah. Um, I guess an, another one maybe... Seattle, um, could it could it be you know a division rival? They could really screw over the Cardinals somewhat. Um, yeah. I, I think for me, I I like targeting. This is from a fancy perspective in these later end of season weeks, division games because I think there's always a lot more to to play for, um, and I do wonder if Seattle could could kind of. You know, get one over for next year on the Cardinals, and uh, I do wonder if someone like DK Metcalf or, or perhaps even Tyler Lockett could have a huge week. Interesting, Nick. What about you? What's what's, what's your strategy going to this week? Yeah, I think this this is a really handy chart, by the way, Rich. And mm. if, if for anyone who anyone who's playing DFS this week, go over to. Dynasty Island on Twitter and check this out. Obviously, anyone following the live stream will have seen it, but um, I think I'm really interested in anyone from that very motivated column, basically, is the kind of teams that I have my eye on. Now, obviously, we don't know what the fan team slate is is looking like, and we don't know pricing and things like that. I'm assuming, Mark, that it's not going to be a monster on Sunday, and it's actually it's going to be split. So in the last few weeks, we've had a six o'clock red zone contest, and then we've had the the fumble, which has been the late contest, the nine o'clock onwards games. I assume it will probably be the same again this week, with it being the final week, and there's there's quite a lot of six o'clock games. Um, but yeah, the, anyone from the very motivated column, the teams that have absolutely nothing to play for, the likes of Green Bay, Cincinnati, I think, have, have already, well, Joe Burrow's not going to be playing, is he? So I don't really have any interest there. Um, Are you not interested in, say, like the third or fourth receiver on those teams and stuff at all? I don't know. Maybe potentially, you know. You, with mixing out, you know, is there interest there then in in the likes of someone like P Ryan, for example? Mm-hmm. Um, I assume his contract's up at the end of the year, P Ryan, so he'll be playing for next yeah, year. Yeah, you're almost like putting yourself in the shop window, aren't you, with some of the mm-hmm. um, with with some of the teams? But I think it's it's difficult at this point in the season because when teams don't have a lot to play for, I think you you just end up you end up seeing a bit like a, a stat box of just names everywhere. And it, it's almost just like for the teams that don't really have anything to play for, it's like anyone gets on the field. Um, it, it's difficult sometimes, I think, at this stage in the season to predict who, who's going to get certain snap percentages over other players, especially in, re, in the receivers. But yeah... I don't, anyone from the very motivated column is who I've got my eye on is the short answer to your question, Mark. But it's difficult at this stage because I feel like trying to put a lineup together now, there's there's still there's still a lot of COVID flying around between now and Sunday, and that is making it difficult to sort of pinpoint certain players. Obviously, we don't know the pricing for fan team. 
as the contest isn't there just yet. But um, I would be looking at the, the teams that are going to be really, really motivated and, you know, might be a bit of bias here, but looking at that Rams and 49ers game, the 49ers are, mm. are still, I think, it, it, they've got the, the risk of not making the uh, wildcard spots. Um, the Saints, I think, still can in the uh, in the NFC, and the Niners can drop out. Um, the the Rams lose to the Niners all the time, so that that kind of game, there's so much motivation on both sides of the ball, and obviously the Rams are going for the NFC West. It's those kind of games that I'll probably be targeting. Hmm. I've got... Cooper, sorry, Cooper Cup has got to get 133 yards, is it? Something like that for the season record. So I feel he's going to be a lock. You just talk about that Rams 49ers game. I feel he's going to be highly owned, like 80% owned or something like that. Yeah, do you know what? I think he'd probably be a prime example of someone that I would include, but that wouldn't put me off including, say, an Odell Beckham Jr., who in recent weeks has had as many touchdowns as Cooper Cup's had. Um, Obviously, he doesn't get the yardage and he doesn't get the receptions that Cup gets because he's just a PPR monster. But, um, yeah, it's... I, I wouldn't be put off targeting those kind of players as well. I think Cup is is almost like an auto include, and that's one of the late games, so he would be in the fumble lineup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that even even though he's come out himself and said that it doesn't really count because he's playing that extra game that Megatron mm. didn't. Um, I think he'll still be looking to to go for that that record. Yeah. You know, it's a tough matchup still, and the Rams have Sorry, really yeah. done well in recent years against the Niners. Sorry, Rich, I interrupted you with that question. No, you were no. going to say something. So, first of all, I just want to say, Samaj P. Ryan is under contract for next year still with the Bengals. Oh, is he? Oh, okay, so, so he's not, so not, he's not in the shop contract. window then. No. Um, if anybody would know, Rich, I knew it would be you. <laughs> I, wouldn't even go, I wouldn't even go near talking about contracts because I know so little about them <laughs> if you weren't here. So, thank you for that. Keeping us on the straight the, and narrow. The one guy that I'm really really obsessed with this week and I think he's probably going to end up being in, in a lot of my lineups is Chase Claypool um, obviously we saw him kind of blow up last year halfway through the season down that stretch and have those couple of absolutely monster games he's basically not really done anything this year um, but I, I was I was completely all in on Deontay Johnson going up against a, a fairly horrific Baltimore secondary in a game that's you know two very big rivals they've both potentially got an outside shot of sneaking into the playoffs if the Colts lose to the Jags and that sort of then Deontay Johnson got got COVID and it's sort of leaning me towards Chase Claypool and I'm, I'm sort of telling myself look Chase Claypool's done nothing but Big Ben's not got an arm at all Deontay Johnson's sort of been that safety blanket all year I wonder if the the Steelers' game plan is going to be right. Let's let's just go back to it's going to be screen passes to Chase Claypool, and and we could see a you know a, a monster yards after the catch kind of game with a couple of touchdowns from him. That makes me think about Najee Harris as well because he hasn't slowed down as we thought he was going to do. Whoever you thought he was going to slow down, he hasn't at all. Um, and I'm now thinking maybe you stack a few in that game and stuff. And like you said, Marquis. But you, uh, Marcus Brown, I think is on it. another one looking for his. He's close to an incentive as well. I feel like it'd be a pretty handy stack. Yeah. Um, the the only stack. thing I'd say I'd say about Najee Harris is Baltimore are 
very good um, in terms of adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They're top five, I think, off the top of my head. Yeah. So it's quite a good matchup for the running backs. So basically, you're you're relying on Najee Harris in in the receiving game if you're thinking he's going to have yeah. a good week. Which are the, which may well be the case with Deontay Johnson. That may well be. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering whether a Ray Ray McLeod might be a really good cheap option for a DFS team as well as that. I just like his name. Uh, but like, he's, <laughs> he's one of those players who occasionally turns up and stuff. Anyway, um, yeah, I t- on, that, um, on that list of very motivated, obviously the Chargers, I think, and, um, and Herber has been doing very well recently, Nick. He's got to be somebody you're interested in. Yeah, every, every week. Really, you know, he's in my season long. We we saw so, yeah. Obviously, there's mass interest there. Um, I mean, Eckler's been on and off the the injury report in recent weeks, but he he played last week from recollection and he had a decent enough game. So, it, again, I'd be looking to include him. Um, he falls into the fumble though again, doesn't he? So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the best games are going to be in the fumble. Yeah, because... I think they are because I'm, I'm like, I've really been looking at the six o'clock games, and you know, just looking through the list of players throughout each position is only really wide receiver that has has got any sort of fitness to it. Everywhere else, you've either got questionable tags next to players' names, or you've got COVID next to players' names. Mm. Um. But yeah, obviously the um, the, the Chargers would would be of peak interest because they've been they've been lighting it up, um, and obviously the the win there is is still it's still a necessity, isn't it, for them? So yeah, so I'm right in thinking the NFL generally changes the schedule for this week to have all the best games in the late window. Or I think they try to match up as many games as they can mm. so that there's no kind of too many people sitting. So I think they're trying to match up divisional games and, yeah. and that kind of thing so that it, it, it flows a little bit better. Yeah. I think as well, Matt, just going back to the Chargers, I think the Chargers players are likely going to be the highly owned um You've got the Raiders just there on that list as well underneath oh. them. Hunter Renfro's been really good in recent yeah. weeks and they're playing each other. Winner of that game is potentially then in the hunt as well. Whoever wins that game's going into the playoffs, aren't they, basically? So it's um yeah. I, And you, you know, punish I'd the Raiders you, well. sorry. You punch the Chargers in the short stuff, sort of short medium stuff as well. You don't get beyond them. So, like, yeah, Hunter Renfro seems like a pretty good option there. Um, I imagine Kyler Murray will be a pretty popular option as well for the cards. If they've got something to play for. Um, the running back situation, Rich, in the Cardinals, um, it's a bit of a mess at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, so we, we were talking before we came on. I've, yeah. I've got James Conner, uh, Chase Edmonds in my season long because uh, I think he's 0% owned and, and I was looking forward to James Conner being out this week. But then... James Connors uh, li- pr- produced a limited practice today, and Chase Edmonds hasn't practiced. So now I'm I'm a little bit more concerned. I did have Chase Edmonds as a a top five back this week, but uh, he's mm. going to probably going to drop down if Connor is playing. And I think also, um, I think Christian Kirk might be interest- an interesting player in that game to target. But again, he's close to another milestone with his receiving yards and stuff. So um, I do like him. Um, Jonathan Taylor of the Colts seems an obvious. 
if you're looking at these sorts of teams and stuff, I mean, you know, there's not great analysis there, is there? Play JT. Well, leader. I think we, we you can probably you you can make a case to play JT every week, can't you? But yeah, again, exactly. I think um, you, you play him, and I think he's going to be so highly owned this week, isn't he? Against he's the in Jags. the early slate as well against mm-hmm. the Jags. The yeah. only concern there is that if the Jags, I didn't, I, the Colts were close to going in the yellow box. Um, so mm. if if the Colts beat the Jags then they're pretty much in. So um, they could be one that, you know, if they get up early, if they're smashing yeah. the Jags, as as we kind of expect it, could JT be put on the bench at, at halftime? Yeah, I yeah. think, um, yeah, because the Jags are a bit of a mess at the moment. And, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I'm oh, trying to think of any other pieces on the Colts you, you could, you could you'd be interested in. Um Pittman hasn't Pittman potentially, but he's, yeah, not but he's always been a bit disappointing, hasn't he? Mm. He's been a bit disappointing. He had a, Pittman, a decent generally. couple of weeks stretched, didn't he? And that was about yeah. it. And um, he's one of those talk for the season quite a lot. I think we talked about him. I think we had him, and it's certainly my. I think I had him on my first ever, my first week one tee for season long. Yeah. T.Y. Hilton's been creeping onto the stat sheet in mm. the last couple of weeks, hasn't he? He's not getting a massive amount of volume, but he's he's had a couple of touchdowns in the last two weeks, so. Again, if if they do get a bit of a slender lead, that that could be you know if if they do decide that they're going to sit Pittman and save him for the playoffs, for example, because he is the the number one wide receiver there. You know, does Ty Hilton see an increase in volume there? Um, do they look to just go up as early as possible and, and try and throw on the Jags? Maybe I don't know. I think yeah. I've got two, two two other guys I'd mention, perhaps not in that in that game, but it's I know Rob Gronkowski. You're talking about incentives. He's got a massive load of incentives that he could potentially reach. So I do wonder if, you know, Brady tries mm. to get him to that point as such. Um, but he's also Devin Singletary. And as as a Jets fan, I can say that the Jets are absolutely horrific against the run, uh, particularly running backs out of the backfield um, on routes. And I do wonder if he's the kind of guy that wouldn't get rested if the bills go up, um, you know, yeah. I, at some point, you you still need guys to play, don't you? And you'd expect Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and people like that to get rested. But I wonder if Devin Singletary is not not good enough to earn that rest, so we'd continue playing through the game. I I, th- I think Singletary is a really good. I mean, you made the point about the Jets being absolutely atrocious against the run, and they have been all season. And the thing is with Singletary is as. Like he's he's come from nowhere almost because there was no lead back in Buffalo, but in the last sort of four or five weeks, it's been all Singletree really out of the backfield, um, and he's he's quite efficient with the work that he's getting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you've just said, Rich, I don't think he is the kind of player where you'd be like, oh well, we're absolutely costing here. Let's rest Devin Singletree. Because I think if if anything, no offense to Devin Singletree, if you watch the stream, but if I think if if anything ever happened to Devin Singletree, I think you could just apply next man up in in Buffalo. In all honesty, mm. he's just done well recently because he's had the opportunity, and they've obviously come up against some teams that just aren't very effective against the run. I think he's had he's had over five red zone touches each of the last three weeks. Mm. Last week he had nine red zone touches, which. It's amazing, really. I mean, that's, he's scored that's... really well in recent weeks. Yeah, yeah, done well. I've, I've, I've got. This is one of my things. I think based on feeling rather than any stats. But 
I have a feeling that Josh Allen in games like this does tend to play a half. And because he's playing quite relaxed and everything, he does pretty well. And so it could be an interesting contrarian play because people won't play him because they're worried. You know, if he starts, he's going to come off in the first quarter or something like that, or he's just playing for a streak or, you know, to keep his, you know, um, you know um, start streak going or something like that. But, yeah, I have a funny feeling that I don't know where it's coming from. No, no, no. There's no great analysis there. Um, like... Just the thing. Um, the Saints, nobody's particular. I'm trying to think of any great, I mean, players, anyone you'd be interested in on the Saints. Deontay Harris is the only the only guy that I'd consider. He's um, his advanced stats are absolutely off the charts um, in terms of yards per route run and targets per route and things like that. Um, mm. He's just just not got on the field much. Um, so I think he's he's one that's. Feels braced for a, a big breakout game, but mm. um, yeah, I, I, I don't know much more than that to be honest. Yeah, and obviously the Chiefs, we've got lots of options there. If they if they're, they're motivated to play, then I think there's some great options. Obviously, in the Chiefs they're on, again, they're on Saturday, though, aren't they? Aren't they on Saturday? Aren't they? So I'll be in these ones all day. So like, um, okay, so I won't be playing them. And um, Ford knows we talked about a little bit already. Elijah Mitchell seems like an obviously a good play because he's a very good running back. Um, I'm just double checking. He's definitely not on Saturday, is he? No, no. Kamakers um, is apparently back this week yeah, as well. He's back but as that, well, that is someone I would I'd, I'd avoid this week. <laughs> don't, Derek don't... Henry might be back. Yeah, apparently so. I, if anyone is is planning on playing Kamakers, I mean, he could completely prove me wrong here. But I doubt coming off that kind of injury, he comes in with a, a majority workload. I think they'll just try and ease him in and, yeah. and try and get him up to some kind of game speed for the playoffs. So don't buy into the hype on that that he's back this week. Another reason to play receivers on the Rams. Let everybody else buy the hype. Absolutely. So, yeah. Sony Michelle's been really good in recent weeks as well. So there's absolutely yeah. no reason to to overly risk Cam Akers' health on his first game back from a serious injury. It's quite a murky backfield then when you've got all three of them back. Yeah, I, th- I think Daryl Henderson is. Um, I think he's actually been put on injured reserve, so it's cleared it up a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. But I would, if I was playing anyone, I'd still be playing Sony Michelle in that game. If I was playing a, a Rams back, cool. So we've um, we've gone quite long now. Anything else you want to say about this week, Rich? About this week's slate? Anything else? Um, any areas you we've not talked about and where you you would you would target? No, I mean the only other thing I guess is. Potentially Debo, you talked about the Rams 49ers as being a good game to target. Mm. Um, Debo's had an incredible year. Um, I guess he's probably going to be priced high, but it's hard to see him not having another good game. He always seems quite motivated against the Rams as well, Debo, because um, Aaron Donald once was asked about him in an interview and he he said, don't know who he is. Um, And he's done... He's been unbelievable against the Rams in every game since, and the same memes and the same clips crop up on social media after it as a reminder. So Debo would would be a, a good smash play, I think, this week. Jalen Ramsey doesn't always follow the number one option on a team. Great. Well, I think we will call it a day there then, lads. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Rich. Thanks for um, having me. And um, and thank you. Also, you covered for Nick as well uh, when he was selfishly having a baby. So, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just so so single minded, Nick. 
Yeah. I know. I, I mean, how 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 unthoughtful of me. I know. And thank you to everybody who's watched and listened and contributed and helped out all our guests and everything this year. All the people who come in the comments and stuff. It's been fantastic. It was a new thing for us doing this this year, and um, I just I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed it. I can put it into words, really. Um, so yeah, final word as ever to you, Nick. Yeah. So in the off season, um, one thing I was just going to mention, Mark, is um, obviously we we've done this under the five yard banner as part of the five yard rush team but fan team do other sports as well uh there's a lot of exciting things coming um you know the second chance premier league is on the verge of launching uh, the golf is just around the corner there's a second chance nba game coming um uh, you know all the tennis the uh the indian premier league there's the F1 season will start up again there is contests that are individual contests and season long all throughout the year, so I dare say we'll be back again around August, September time, Mark, to, to be chatting about NFL all over again, but you will find myself and Mark, um, and Jack will also be covering the golf going forward, and I dare say Mark will also be talking about some other contests as well throughout the off-season, so keep an eye out on socials for us. At Nick of Wigan is where you can find me, at underscore SMRF is where you can find Mark, one last time, I think, for this season. Catches for sure, touchdowns for Doe. And Rich, where can the listeners find yourself on socials? I'm uh, on Twitter at Dynasty Island. Cheers, Rich. Uh, thank you very much, Mark. And as you said, thanks for all the guests we've had on. Thanks for all the listeners. Happy New Year, of course, as well. Um, and best of luck in this weekend's games. We will see you next season. a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 